not every kid is working on the exact same task to achieve the exact same goal. And so all in all, the kids love that they are more in control of how they learn, how fast they learn, and what they're learning. Hey, it's Zach, and I need to interrupt a moment because we are doing an incredibly exciting thing that requires your participation. Once a month, we will be featuring a teacher challenge on an episode and attempting to tackle the challenge between the four of us on the show. We want to hear from you about the challenges you might be facing in your classroom this year. Every teacher featured will receive a gift card, and at the end of the school year, we will draw a name randomly from all those who shared to award a $100 gift card. To share a challenge and earn a chance to win, simply call our number and leave a message. That number is 616-965-6606. Again, 616-965-6606. This is Transforming Learning. Welcome back to the show. This is Pete. I'm here with Zach. And Zach, you recently spoke with Dana Cantu. What could you tell our listeners about Dana? Definitely. Dana Cantu teaches fifth grade in Delton Kellogg, and specifically it's, it's, a, it's a fifth grade that's part of a middle school, so it's like the young middle school as opposed to the old elementary school. But Dana's experiences and what we're going to share in this episode include an interesting journey through uh, very little tech experience to a technology integration one-to-one kind of scenario and a mindset change motivated by pursuing student-centered learning. So we're going to talk through her experiences with that and specifically the instructional model that she uses, which is blended learning. Please enjoy Zach and Dana. Dana, go ahead and tell us where do you teach and what do you do here? I'm at Delton Kellogg Middle School and I'm a fifth grade teacher. This year I am self-contained and we are one-to-one with Chromebooks. Excellent. So that helps kind of feed into our topic for the conversation today. Um, Dana, we want to talk a little bit about what you do with technology integration and some of the strategies that you've developed, um, particularly on the topic of blended learning. Mm -hmm. But before we get to that, um, tell us a bit about your background in coming to the kind of teacher you are today. So what has happened or what has changed Mm -hmm. in your experience that's brought you to your current mindset? Mm -hmm. So I've been here for seven years total and my first two years here um, we were just traditional classrooms. We didn't have any technology at all. Um, We had an overhead projector basically was it and then we passed the bond and got our computers and that's really what changed everything for me. Um, I realized that my students needed to be more in the center of my classroom and not me standing up front being the leader in the room. And really, I realized if they're always relying on me for their knowledge, when they grow up, they're going to be relying on somebody to feed them what they need. So I, I decided that they needed to, to become more of the center and more independent learners and thinkers. And specifically speaking about fifth grade, that's, um, you know, that's no small thing mm-hmm. to have 10-year-olds <laughs> as independent thinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me just briefly about your experience then as you've begun to, without getting into the specifics yet, but as you've begun to implement some of these ideas and strategies, how has it impacted your students? It's definitely a complete shock to them when they come into fifth grade because they are used to being fed answers. And when they ask a question, the teacher tells them the answer. And when I say, 
well, figure it out or solve your problem, they just kind of stare at you at first, like, well, how do I do that? Um, so it's, it's definitely a shift in thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that shift is kind of the point of, of what we're hoping to address specifically. Um, you specifically implement an instructional model that is a kind of blended learning. Mm -hmm. Tell us about what your classroom looks like. It's like I said before, it's definitely much more student driven. I'm not standing up at the front of the room delivering lectures or content or PowerPoints or whatever it may be. Um, so I've developed kind of like playlists almost, I would call them, for the kids to work through so that they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Um, the kids have teams for almost every subject and they rely on their teammates more than they rely on me when they have questions. So the kids come in, they sit down, they open up their, their activities that they're supposed to be doing and they kind of work their way down the checklist of things. Dana, you called it uh, kind of like a playlist almost of activities. Um, as the students engage with that, how do they react to the idea that of a series of tasks as opposed to, you know, here's the first thing we're doing, let's do all of this together before we move on? It's definitely a positive response from the students because they, the kids who move faster are able to move faster and the kids who need more time on things are able to take their time to actually digest all of the content. So that's one great thing. And then the other thing is that I differentiate, differentiate everything and so not every kid is working on the exact same task to achieve the exact same goal. And so all in all the kids love that they are more in control of how they learn, how fast they learn, and what they're learning. Tell us a little bit more about that differentiation. What are some specific things that the students are working on at different times and in different ways? So right now we're working on learning about Native American regions. And within their playlist, um, there's a video that they could watch about the specific region. Um, they have their textbook that they can read or it can be read to them. Um, we have videos of, of teachers narrating the book to the students. So that's another level of differentiation. And then there's also um, interactive websites where the kids can click on a specific region and then learn about all the different things related with that. And then there's also just other websites that have articles that they can read. So the way they're accessing the content and then also how the media is presented to them is all based on what they want and what they're, how they're going to learn it. And in that kind of a situation, if I'm the student who would prefer to read it instead of watch it or something, I don't have to do both. I can use the one that... Exactly. And then the great thing about that is the kid who's reading the textbook is comparing information with the kid who is watching the video, comparing information with the kid who's on the website. So they're all learning from each other and how they can access different resources. Talk to us about that next step then. As we're learning different things from different resources, what do we do with that knowledge or information? Mm -hmm. um, at the end of every lesson, basically the kids present what they learned. I've, I've been using Seesaw. Um, so for this one, they'll take a pic they'll end up making a map and then they have a graphic organizer. So they'll take a picture of their work and they'll either type what they learned or they'll narrate um, a quick narration of, the, of their learning and that goes to parents and then they can also put it on their blog so that their classmates and, and the world can see and hear what they've learned. So I have a question for you that I know some of our listeners will be thinking. Um, it sounds like for you to evaluate that would be fairly time intensive. You know, it's mm -hmm. pretty easy to give a five question multiple choice mm -hmm. quiz that's automatically graded and scored. Um, how do you manage the extra time in being able mm -hmm. to view and manage or view and evaluate those? It can be challenging for sure because for if I'm watching 32 minute videos, that's an hour. 
Um, but I also have time built in during classes because if the kids are doing something that's silent, that's independent, that's a pre-quiz, that's a something that I don't have to be talking to them right then, I can watch a video. I can read something that they posted and respond to them really quickly. So I can, I can build that in throughout my day as well. I love that. A lot of research indicates that any kind of assessment or evaluation is more effective when it's sooner. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Um, the natural next question is, you've given a couple examples already, but like Seesaw and some other things that you do, what are the specific tools and strategies that support what you're doing in the class? Uh, what I what I use for science and social studies especially is a website called BlendSpace, and it allows you to drag and drop basically any type of media you could think of, YouTube videos, Google Docs, Microsoft Word, um, websites, PDFs, anything. And it's very kid-friendly because it's just a set of tiles, one, two, three, four, five, six. And so it's, they just click through what they need to do. And I don't know what I would do without BlendSpace right now. Once you've built it, they have it. Um, and I have it for years to come without, all I have to do is really just update um, as I learn new things. So, Right. And uh, it, because you're basically creating like this web mix mm -hmm. on their website, um, can you then share it with other teachers as well? Absolutely. Yep. There's a the collaborator link and then there's also just a link to share it. So I send it home to parents even sometimes too. Here's the link to what we're working on and kids can work on it at home too. Right. That's awesome. Um, what are some others? Um, within BlendSpace, I love to embed ed puzzles, so quick videos with um, quizzes attached to them for accountability. And GoFormative also lets you make quizzes out of PDFs, basically, so you can, you can see um, live results as kids are taking the assessment. I appreciate um, a couple of dynamics there, too, because you mentioned using Seesaw for some of the evaluation and especially capturing what you know capturing students knowledge and learning mm -hmm. um, in that way but also some formative pieces with right. go formative ed puzzle yep. allowing you to get the quick feedback and accountability mm -hmm. that's good so dana when you're in the midst of these kinds of activities and such class can be a little bit more chaotic mm -hmm. it can be a little bit less structured and organized which mm -hmm. obviously um you know that that appeals to some and not to others. Mm -hmm. But my question along that front is what kinds of challenges have arisen and how do you address those? Noise level for sure is a an ongoing issue um, and it's really just about kids learning how to manage themselves. If you think about it though, as an adult, how often are you sitting silently doing work? Right. There's always going to be noise around. So it's just a, a management level of, of making sure it's at a level that kids can actually get work done and focus. Um, and then the other thing is, is teamwork because everybody has a different personality and it, conflicts arise when you're, we're trying to get, get work done and one kid has one idea and one doesn't agree. Um, so building in team, team building and conflict resolution type stuff throughout your day so kids know how to manage those things is important. Definitely. So giving it intentional attention to just collaborating and how to collaborate. Absolutely. So Dana, one of the things we like to do is provide opportunities for other teachers to connect with you if they hear something they like and they want to follow up, um, but also just to know what kinds of things you utilize to learn more and build your own craft. So um, let's start there. What are, what are some resources or people that you tend to lean on? My biggest source of personal PD is honestly Twitter. Um, I follow other educators and then as well as teacher leaders and people who have moved on from the profession. Um, 
but I try and spend, it's just five minutes in the morning when I'm waiting for my carpool. I jump on Twitter and find an article that I can read later or, or a video or whatever it is. Um, specifically, Matt Miller is a great resource with uh, Ditch That Textbook and, and those things. A lot, of, a lot of really practical ideas come from his blog and Absolutely. some of the work that he does. Yep, yeah. quick videos and just, you can do this today type of stuff. So you are also on Twitter yourself. How can teachers find you on Twitter? Uh, we are at Mrs. Cantu5. And if a teacher wants to reach out to you in any way, is that the best way? Or is there anything else? Twitter or email is fine. I'd love to get an email from you if you have a question or want to connect. And it's Dana, D-A-Y-N-A dot Cantu at dkschools.org. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Dana. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So Pete, that was Dana, and as we're talking through student-centered learning and blended learning practices and such, it really stands out to me when Dana mentioned student behavior, and specifically she gave a situation where if students are in conflict about something, um, what happens or how do you address, you know, something like that. And so I'm curious, Pete, what are your thoughts on the implications of being student-centered and trying to manage things like behavior and conflict in class? Yeah, I love that part. I think Dana is kind of hitting a home run here, Zach, because we talk about trying to educate the whole child. I mean, that's pretty a pretty trendy term right now in education. Yeah. But, you know, that means more than academics. It means more than skill development. It means how we relate to others. And that includes conflict. And so, you know, what you can pick up from Dana is almost this expectation that conflict will arise and that she's prepared to work through it with her students. And I, this may sound like a negative way to view life, but you know, you really can mark life by uh, the conflict that arises, you know, and, and how you deal with that. And so I just love it. I love how she's preparing her students for the real world in so many ways, including how to um, relate with people that aren't like them or that think differently. And, um, and conflict is just one aspect of that. Yeah, definitely. If, if student-centered is my mindset across all things, it, it should have those kinds of implications. Absolutely and, should. And we should mention, too, that the way she has set up her classroom affords her the time to actually individualize that piece as yeah. well. So she can actually take some time and mediate between a, a, f a few students or talk to a student one-on-one -on -one where, you know, in some classroom setups, you just don't have a lot of that time. You might have some, but you don't have a lot of it. And so your, your goal is really to make the conflict go away, not to resolve it. Yeah. And I think just about any teacher that I've interacted with would say that is a great thing to have that kind of approach and that student-centered experience. But the obstacles of things like time and such tend to come up the most and crafting an experience that allows for that is, that's key. Well, thanks Zach for your conversation with Dana. And as always listeners, if you have feedback or want to learn more about what we do here at CBD, you can find us online at cbdconsulting.com slash elevateedu. Thanks again for listening. If you haven't yet deduced, at CBD, we believe the best kind of professional growth comes from conversations with other professionals. So we have devoted ourselves to ensuring any educator anywhere can have that opportunity. 
Our virtual coaching service guarantees that. Check us out on cbdconsulting.com slash elevateedu. You can share thoughts with just an email or quick text or dive right into a conversation by phone or video chat. We look forward to hearing from you.